you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by Caesars Rewards. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, masking and socially distancing when and where possible. And we're out of fantasy camp now. We got through fantasy camp over the last month, so I appreciate all the folks who stopped by to talk to me about the different divisions of the NFL. But now we are full on into... I guess training camp. I mean, I know guys haven't gotten out in pads and are hitting quite yet, but it's training camp in, you know, kind of an altered form. So uh, we got a whole new stage of what we're doing with the podcast. But I wanted to do something really fun and really special today. Uh, I had sort of been cooking this idea up for a while. And so today was the opportunity, I think, to unleash this to the world. So I hope you will enjoy what we're about to do on this podcast for the next hour or so, because uh, I'll tell you that I am more excited for this than I have been for any podcast in a really long time. Before I get too far into that, uh, I do want to say hello to my faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Murph, what's going on? Well, the happiest I've been this 2020 is uh, from a, a little ping pong ball that went through a tube last night. So <laughs> I'm not sure if that's sad about my life or just uh, my love of my teams. But yeah, it is pretty great. The Rangers got the number one pick. So uh, the, my biggest sports moment is now a draft lottery. Yeah, you know, I, uh, well, especially because I know you as a Knicks fan, you were disappointed because you guys didn't win the lottery for Zion <laughs> when it seemed like all but certain that he was going to be a Knicks. So, you know, you guess you get something, uh, right? To, to stay along with the Avengers theme, I think it's a soul for a soul. It's like the Knicks lose lottery and lose and pick awful players when the Rangers could rise. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, well, you know, at least the Yankees are playing well. So you got that going for you. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, let's 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 get into this. Because like I said, I'm really fired up uh, about what's going to happen right now. So I have a slew of guests uh, that are joining me on today's show you might have even heard of some of them. Uh, so we'll kind of go around the horn. Uh, we'll start with the guy who actually was on this pod just uh, a couple of weeks ago. He was helping me talk about the NFC North uh, during the Fantasy Cap segment. Uh, he is all over the place. He just started his own new micro pod. Please welcome back to the show, the one and only James Coe. James Coe, welcome back, man. How are you? I'm doing great, man. It's good to be back. Uh, I appreciate you uh, bringing everybody back together, man. This is a really, really cool um, kind of moment, man. I- I'm-, I'm pumped up. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, next, uh, geez, he was kind of the the heart and soul and the brains of this whole operation for a long time. And then he decided to get smart and go learn some more, uh, but always excited to get him back on the show as well. It is our pal Alex Gelhar. Alex, what's up? Not too much. Just uh, thrilled to be here with all you guys again. I'm sure I'll get roasted at some point for uh, some innocuous <laughs> comment later in the show. But, you know, just uh, just like the good old days. So I'm happy to be here. Uh, I'm sure at this point you guys can kind of tell where this is going. But uh, next up, uh, our guy who uh, I don't even know what to say about him other than he really is like he's maybe the the engine, the fire behind what this show was for so many years. Uh, now he is plying his trade over on the video game side of things. It is our boy, the franchise, Matt Franciscovich. Franchise, what's going on? 
What up, fellas? Happy to be here. This is super exciting. I can't remember when all of us have been on a podcast together. It's got to be two years, going on two years now. But uh, things are good at EA Sports, so I'm ready to rock. Yeah, uh, and then of course uh, we can't do this show without rounding out the whole crew. Uh, I don't know, maybe the the nerdiest nerdiest among us. I don't know. I don't know how to even describe it. But it's it's my pal. It's our pal. It is the one and only Matt Harmon. Harmon, how are things? Literally, no chance. I'm the nerdiest of this crew. <laughs> when all you when like we've got goofballs over here with comics and all that, you've got all these dork little toys in the background. Marcus, give me a break. Anyways. <laughs> Well, I'm happy to be back with the stronghold, man. This is awesome. Uh, other than that comment, this is awesome. Oh, sweet. Um, so, I mean, a lot has changed. Here's the thing. We all keep in contact with one another. We all kind of still talk. Uh, so I know kind of what you guys have been up to. I know that the, the long and short of it is in the last couple of years since we last did a pod together, um, I had a kid. Co had a second kid. Harmon got engaged. Gelhar's on the verge of uh, a law degree. And Franchise, you're still angry. So other than that, um, <laughs> true, not much, true. I've really changed. But I guess people who don't, who don't know, who, won't, who don't follow us maybe as closely as we follow each other, uh, let's go around the horn. James, start with you. Like, what are you up to? What have you been up to since the pod? I, I think you pretty much hit it on the head. You know, uh, I'm kind of just buried over here with uh, two kids now and trying to figure out um, how to manage my time, which obviously has been uh, uh, not not my strong suit. Um, but uh, I'm over at DirecTV. I'm going to be starting uh, my third season over there this upcoming season, which is great. Uh, part of Fantasy Zone um, should be starting uh, my second season over at Amazon for uh, NFL Next, which is a kind of a next gen stats based. Uh, program with uh, Kay Adams and Chris Long. Um, really looking forward to that. And um, and yeah, as you mentioned, I, I started a little micropod series. I, I kind of sort of thought it, it would be good for some folks to kind of get like a little five to seven minute podcast uh, in their lives if, if they just wanted a little quick hitter uh, fantasy pod. So I, I thought I kind of try to fill that gap and um, and we'll see where it goes, man. I, I believe in the product and I think it's pretty good and I hope kind of people give it a try. Sweet. Uh, Gilhar, we're, I mean, I know, like I said, I know what you've been doing. Tell the folks what you've been up to lately. Well, I've been reading a lot of very dense books as I uh, try to wrap up this law degree here soon, uh, aiming to get out a semester early. So December graduation, you know, right in the midst of a global pandemic. Excellent time to <laughs> graduate with uh, another degree, but also to uh, keep things going on the other side, you know, could always have to scratch that fantasy itch. So I wrote for the NFL again for a little while. And then uh, I've been working with four for four for the last two years. So I'm writing articles for them and I will be a uh, hosting their uh, the most accurate podcast for a couple days a week this uh, this season, as long as that goes. So that should be fun as well. Oh, cool. Awesome. Uh, Franchito, uh, what's going on in your world? Yeah, man, I'm over at EA Sports working on Madden NFL. Uh, so been doing that for a couple of years. We are actually Madden NFL 21 comes out in a couple of weeks. So we are in full go mode right now. I'm busier than ever. You got, got, any, code, cool. got any codes, bro? Yeah, we yeah. might what, have. We what's might the deal with the codes. What's the deal with the codes, man? <laughs> uh, there, there might be some codes in about a week or two, but only if you, uh, you know, are nice to me. Uh, but yeah, man, we got some exciting new features coming out this year at Madden, and we got Gen Five consoles coming out uh, in the holidays. So we got some cool new sort of next level technology stuff um, hit, hitting the EA Sports Madden and FIFA, and it's really cool to be a part of all that. And I like Gelhar said, I'm scratching the fantasy itch on the side. I was a contributor to the fantasy black book again. So go to Amazon and grab that. Uh, that is available now uh, for the 2020 season. 
Sweet. We're gonna just. I'm just gonna pepper you with questions about Madden ratings during during the show. So uh, yeah, get ready. All for right. That. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Harmon, you are. You know, I mean, you are a budding superstar here. You have racketed the stratosphere. Uh, what, what what's life like for you now that you are a major celebrity in the fantasy world? <laughs> Uh, I don't know about that, but, uh, you know, things are good, man. Uh, just kicking off the third season here with Yahoo Fantasy. Uh, love it, man. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. We've got a lot of cool stuff planned for this upcoming season, despite the fact that, you know, uh, I'll be shooting from this room right here. I showed you guys a little <laughs> bit earlier the setup uh, for this fall. But other than that, you know, still doing reception perception, six years worth of data. Now I think it's the best it's ever been. I'm more bullish on it as a tool for wide receiver evaluation than ever. I'm sure I'll bring it up here at some point, but life's good, man. Two dogs, fiance, this house. I mean, uh, things have actually been, things have gotten much better for me since I left you guys. So I uh, really, really, really appreciate the send off. We are, we are, you know, hey, we're excited to drag you down. We're excited to drag you down at least for the next hour or so. So we, uh, we appreciate that. Uh, by the way, I, I do love by the, when I, whenever I have a, a positive take on a wide receiver and then you like back it up with good reception perception data like i do a little happy dance uh in my in my apartment because it makes me feel better uh, what i'm here for man it's gonna make you feel better Uh, you know what i totally appreciate that um all right let's talk some football some fantasy football in particular uh the big story uh, over the last few days has been uh, darius geis uh, turning himself into the police uh following charges of domestic violence not almost immediately after that, uh, he was released by the Washington Football Club. You know, this is where you always sort of, you know, kind of there's that uneasy feeling about talking about, you know, next man up sort of thing when you are dealing with something as serious uh, as as disgusting as uh, domestic violence charges and that sort of thing. But this is also where I throw in the disclaimer that we are a fantasy football podcast. And so this is what we are going to do. So. Uh, so that brings us to the question, uh, and, and Gelhar, I'll start with you. I mean, now that Darius Geis is out of the picture in Washington, is there an, a running back there that you are targeting that you have kind of an eye on in that backfield? I mean, I'm sure we'll hit all the options there with the uh, the ageless wonder, Adrian Peterson and uh, RB wide receiver hybrid Antonio Gibson. But one guy that I circled and I actually just took in a, in a four for four best ball league we're doing uh, and in one of the later rounds is Bryce Love, kind of a forgotten former standout at Stanford. You know, his junior year, he was looking on track to be uh, a very high pick in the draft. He had over 2,000 yards, 19 touchdowns, but then tore his ACL and Washington took him in the fourth round last year. But uh, he passed his physical. Uh, looks like he's going to be ready to go. So he's going to certainly be an interesting name to watch in the backfield because while Gibson's uh, a unique player with his kind of dual threat upside, uh, Love is more of a traditional running back and with Ron Rivera there and also Bryce Love can catch passes. So he might be a guy that could slide in and find a, a significant workload there. And he's coming at a much steeper discount right now. than I think Antonio Gibson, who the, you know, fantasy hype machine has rocketed up draft boards in a few days span. I mean, the Gibson hype is, is wild. I mean, Harmon, Co, are either of you buying into this hype for Antonio Gibson right now? Oh, he's got to be a co-guy. Give me a break. Tell me, tell me, tell me he's not a James co-guy. What was his 40 oh. time? That's what we need to know. I, I'll tell you right now, it was a 439. <laughs> 439 at 230 pounds. Come on. Of course, this is a, this is a James co-guy. Absolutely, 100%. Um, and I don't think you have to overpay for him, right? So he's going around pick 100 right now, uh, which I think is actually a pretty fair price. And I get it. You know, we don't know uh, what kind of role he's going to have with Washington, but 
I'm not really buying into Adrian Peterson. He's 35 years old. I know he had a pretty good um, last 11 games, actually. Uh, he was actually pretty solid. He had, he had uh, what, seven uh, out of his uh, final 11 regular season games, he, he scored in double-digit PPR points. So that's actually decent, but... I'm just not buying it. I do like Bryce Love because, you know, the guy's going like around like round 15 or undrafted. So you're getting him for free. But Antonio Gibson, sign me up, man. <laughs> the guy, again, 230 pounds, right? A 43940, an explosive player. Look, I, I did the homework, right? I, I watched every single one of his carries uh, from his senior season. Wasn't all that many to watch, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Took me all 15 minutes. <laughs> but I, it should be noted, right? He had 12 total touchdowns on 75 carries or something like that um, his senior season. So obviously the explosiveness is there. I mean, Harmon, I, I was taking shots at Antonio Gibson late in drafts sort of under the premise that if he got on the field at all in that backfield, that it would be more as a wide receiver, that they would line him up out wide. And now I know you, like a lot of people, but you particularly, you love Terry McLaurin this year. I mean, is there is there still room for Gibson as a wide receiver, or does he just completely absorb a running back role now in Washington? I think if he absorbs a running back role, that's good news for him. This is probably, even what, like when Geis was there, and even so now after that he's, now that he's gone, it's one of the most confusing backfields in the entire NFL because they're stocked with a bunch of weird guys who don't really fit together. I thought that Gibson previously stood out because I think he's got the best shot to be, if anybody's going to be a prime pass catcher in this offense, I think it's going to be Gibson out of the backfield because I think this team's going to throw the ball a lot. I've got them projected for the 10th most pass attempts in the NFL because last year under Scott Turner uh, when and, and Ron Rivera and all those guys, when the team was really bad in Carolina, they even though they had a bad quarterback and some questions in the pass catching core and like the best running back in the NFL, they still threw the ball at a really high rate because they were a bad team. They were trailing. I expect that to be similar in Washington and really after McLaurin, who I think you can project for 22 23% of the team targets, there's not a lot of guys there that are going to catch passes. So I think Gibson's in a prime spot right now. I've got him at like running back 32 and really the only guy that I'm going to be aggressively targeting in this offense in the backfield, right. I should say. So franchise, I mean, you are, like I said, you are our Madden guru right now. Right. And I mean, with, with this shakeup, uh, I know the ratings, you guys always hear about ratings and that sort of thing. I mean, how fluid is it? How much potentially do we see some rate ratings changes in Madden because of this? Oh, I think uh, if we see like at the beginning of the season, the ratings are affected by real what happens in real life. So like beginning of the season, Antonio Gibson comes out and has a hot first week or two. His rating right now, he's in a 69 overall, which is very nice. nice. Uh, and he's got 91 <laughs> speed, 91 acceleration, and he's got better catching than Adrian Peterson. And we haven't mentioned Peyton Barber yet, who's also, uh, I think, on this depth chart, who had some su success in Tampa Bay. But uh you know, it, it all depends on what how how they come out of the gate. If he comes out and has a hot start, his rating could go up um, and Madden, he could be one of those guys you're trying to plug plug into, uh, you know, the backfield on a third and long and have him do a wheel route and, and just blow past all the defenses. So I like this Antonio Gibson guy. Like, I think this is sort of the future of how NFL teams are trending with their backfields, like one sort of big play pass catching back and one sort of power back for the early down. So I think, I think Gibson can have a big role out of the gate. Um, 
Gellhart, does, does, you mentioned Adrian Peterson. Does he persist? We've been told he's a cyborg, and like every time we ride him off, he still comes back for like 850 yards. Will he persist again this year? I'm sure he's going to hang around and, and get some carries. Uh, to what extent he hold, fends off the two youngsters? I mean, this is also an offseason unlike any other, and typically running back's an easier transition period from college to the NFL, but like these guys are coming out of a, a weird pandemic. They're having less time with the teams. They're having Zoom meetings. So, I mean, Bryce Love has been there for, for a season, so maybe that gives him a slight edge. But I think Peterson might be might be an early favorite for some of those early down carries, which could distract, you know, uh, distract from those guys in the early weeks. Yeah, I mean, I know that I have been leaning toward, you know, kind of trending toward veterans uh, in a lot of places because of what you mentioned, because of the COVID and, and not having a, a real off season. I do wonder, and I don't have an answer for this, like how much it's impacted by like in Washington, you've got a new coaching staff, you've got a new head coach, you've got a lot of turnover. So in some ways it's sort of new for everybody. Um, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't have a real answer for that. I just, I just know it's, it's kind of another wrinkle that we're, we're adding here. Um, James, for I mean, for Darius guys, I mean, can obviously I, he's. Wait, can I? Yeah, can go ahead. Can I yeah. just, uh, add something for Adrian Peterson and and sure. the reason I'm not buying at all, despite the fact that you know he did show some flashes last year. Um, so much of his production, as has been noted, relies on you know under center play. How much of that are we going to see um, with Ron Rivera's new system? So. Um, I think we can kind of sort of throw out what we saw last year in terms of the offense and they're installing a brand new offense here. And I just, I would have concerns that if Ron Rivera goes to a very shotgun heavy approach, where does Adrian Peterson fit in? I know that they want some stability in the backfield. And of course, 35 year old Adrian Peterson, one of the best to, to ever do it will provide you, I guess on paper, some stability, I just don't think he's going to be a schematic fit, and and that's another reason why I think both Bryce Love um, and Antonio Gibson are interesting plays. I, I would probably fade uh, AP, but uh, and and again, I, I think some of that comes with the structure of the offense. Sort of a random question that, that just popped in my head while you were talking, James. I mean, obviously, you, you mentioned Adrian Peterson being one of the best to ever do it, and there's no doubt about that. Are we going to look at him differently when he finally retires just because of these years? He's sort of just kind of hung on. I mean, like the, the, the short-lived period, uh, you know, that, that year he was between well, Arizona and, and New Orleans. Now these last couple of years in Washington, like they've just been meh at best. And I just wonder if, if it's going to impact sort of the way we think about him long term. I don't know if anybody has any, any thoughts on that. But. I mean, he's sort of doing like a, a low-grade version of, of what Frank Gore's doing, right? I mean, because right. he, he's not – quite like that much of a cockroach where he just continues to live on no matter what disaster strikes. <laughs> what but I think, <laughs> no, no, but I think like people for but to Marcus's point, I think people forget that Frank Gore back when he first broke out with the 49ers was this extremely exciting guy who could catch passes, who could do everything, who was, you know, like a freak athlete. Cause he comes back at like 85% of what he was at Miami after all these injuries, but he still ends up being what, like a top five running back in the league during his peak with the Niners. But now we just think of him as this guy who has putzed along through like the AFC East teams, you know, just hanging on and hanging on, but that's not really a representation of who he was at his prime. And neither is, you know, Adrian Peterson to Coe's point getting stuffed with like 20 carries for no reason on a terrible team last year while Bill Callahan's trying to run out the clock on the season, literally like 25 minutes uh, per game or whatever. It was insane, but that's not who Adrian Peterson was in his prime. So I think it's a, a good point overall. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I, just, I think I think the prime for Adrian Peterson was also so good and yeah. so dynamic, especially right out of the gate. Like you know, didn't he break the single game rushing record as a rookie? Like I'm just remembering highlights of Adrian Peterson in that purple uniform, stiff arming guys into the stands from the field, uh, and you know, <laughs> carving through defenses and running away from guys, you know, from DBs. Like Frank Gore, I love Frank Gore, and he's great. And like you said, Harmon, he had a good, really good career with the 49ers, but. He never had those highlights. And I think those highs are what are really going to stand out for Peterson as opposed to these, you know, waning retirement years in uh, Washington. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's probably fair. Um, I mean, James, so for Darius guys, obviously he's got a whole host of legal issues that, that he's got to work through. Um, and obviously some personal issues, it would seem as well. Does this mean, is this the last we've seen of Darius Geis on a football field? I mean, we've seen guys obviously get back into this league after domestic violence issues. But the DV stuff plus the injuries, is this kind of the end of Darius Geis for the NFL? I would imagine so. You know, running back is obviously a very deep position. Um, And with what we've seen from Darius Geis, it's not much. Um, And he's suffered multiple knee injuries now um, has not shown an ability to, to stay in the field. I mean, if we're still living off of his college tape, I get it. Exciting, exciting college player. Um, But when he's hit the NFL, we we really haven't seen much. So I I would be surprised, um, especially given the severity uh, of the charges levied against him. I would be very surprised if we ever saw him in the NFL again. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely unfortunate, but like I said, he's got some bigger issues to worry about to straighten out before we worry about football, but it does seem as though his, his football career may have, have passed him by before we ever got to really see what, what he could be at the NFL level. Um, all right. So I know a lot of folks are starting to get their, their drafts up and going. Um, if you guys, I know, you know, I know that there's no specific time to do a draft, but do you guys have any ideas of, of when now is a good time to do the draft because we have COVID concerns and we don't have training camp? Is it better to wait later? Is it better to go earlier? I mean, how are you guys feeling about that? I'm always a fan of going as late as possible for injuries, roster shakeups, what have you. Um, so the later you can hold out, the better. And we'll know hopefully more about COVID and its impact on the season and teams. Uh, all right, so let's let's kind of talk some some draft stuff here, right? I feel like we've got kind of the top two picks sort of settled, right? McCaffrey's generally going number one. Uh, Saquon Barkley is going generally number two. Uh, franchise, if there's a guy that you are targeting at number three, if you're in that number three slot, uh, is there a particular guy you've got your eye on there? Yeah, I'm going Michael Thomas, no question. I don't care about drafting a running back first. I want Michael Thomas. He was a, especially in PPR, he was an absolute fantasy point machine last year. He's got another season of Drew Brees under center. Like, why would you not want Michael Thomas to anchor your fantasy team? I, I, you know, you're looking at guys like Zeke or uh, who else is around that area. Let's see here. Kamara's around there. Yeah. Like I I don't want to take on, take a chance on Kamara. He was kind of a dud last year. Derrick Henry is just hype off like the late season surge. Wait, Dalvin, I, thought you, I thought you and Harmon have like a long. How dare you? I don't want to. I don't want to take him third. I'm not taking him third overall. I love anymore. I love Derrick Henry. I love Derrick Henry. He's a beast. But the, a lot of these guys in that area have questions marks, and I don't think Michael Thomas has a single question mark about him. Uh, Harmon, I remember there was like a two week period on Twitter where Twitter tried to tell me that Michael Thomas wasn't a good wide receiver. Um, but, <laughs> did I hallucinate that or what? I mean, it's, it's just 
a really weird and kind of disingenuous discussion. So, but like every year it happens because he supposedly runs a lot of slant routes. Uh, I mean, he does run a decent amount of slant routes, but the reality is like a lot of big time wide receivers, DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green, um, you know, other players like DJ Moore, like comes kind of these up and coming guys. Teams want to target good players on those routes because they're very efficient. But regardless, I think that's kind of just a disingenuous discussion. My, my answer to this question is Alvin Kamara. I know franchise talked about it a little bit. I had him at running back one last year. Obviously that did not work out. Uh, according to the player himself, he tweeted earlier this off season that he was, you know, 75% last year. And he still had, I mean, I think a pretty decent season, but really if he's a hundred percent this year, I think the outlook that forced me to have him at running back one last year still exists this year. You know, I think he's, he was averaging 20 touches per game in his first five healthy games. And there's so much bankable touchdown, you know, positive regression coming his way because he only, he, he was really having trouble finding the end zone last year, but we know he is a proven touchdown scorer, still one of the figurehead pieces of that saints offense. I think he can easily catch 90 passes and score double digit touchdowns. So he's my running back three this year. Uh, anybody have a non-saint that they want to stump for at the number three spot? Uh, I was going to join Harmon on the on the Camara train because uh, last year he battled through so many injuries too. I think he had ankle injuries. He revealed he had like a tear in his knee or something too that really slowed him down. So he still had it's weirdly he's had 81 receptions every single year of his career. Right. Uh, I'm not super threatened by Emmanuel Sanders coming over. I think he's going to pick up some of that extra work from the other you know hodgepodge of wide receivers they have, but. Kamara is going to have a solid workload. I mean, they'll mix Latavius Murray in, but I think as Harmon said, the receiving work and the touchdown upside make him an easy choice for me at number three, just to head over Zeke. All right, Joe. Well, who you got? Uh, Yeah, I I love Alvin Kamara and I don't think you can go wrong at three with, I'll tell you what, with with any of those trio, whether we're talking about uh, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, but I would lean just, just a bit, um, towards Ezekiel Elliott. Dallas had uh, the second-best offense based off of DVOA last year. Saints weren't far behind. I think they were four. Um, but I think we're kind of – for me, I'm kind of sort of banking on the fact that Zeke is attached to this high-powered offense with a really good quarterback. Um, not saying Drew Brees is not a great quarterback. He is, absolutely. But he's also 41 years old. Um, there is, I think, a little bit of elevated concern there. Um, and, and to me, I just feel overall that I think Dallas's offense is a little bit more secure. I think their, their schedule is a little bit more favorable. And Zeke has just been so rock solid. I mean, yeah. Alvin Kamara did have a little bit of a, a downturn last year. And I do, as Harmon mentioned, um, expect to see an uptick in scoring. But overall, Zeke has just been an absolute rock at that position. And for me, at three, I don't want to lose my draft there. I would just lean just, just a bit uh, towards Ezekiel Elliott at three. Do you feel like we've kind of gotten bored of Zeke? That's like, I I think that like as a, as a fantasy hive mind or whatever, we've just got accustomed to the fact like, okay, this is what he is. He finally got more of that receiving work the last couple of years that people were really clamoring for. But like Co said, he's a pretty good bet to lead the league in rushing touchdowns because this is going to be one of the best offenses in the league. They've added juice to the passing game. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think this, like when I'm looking at Zeke, I just feel like, I'm personally like, yeah, I, I know exactly what I'm going to get. And I'm just 
you know, I'm more of a te- like tempted by the unknown and the, 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 the high ceiling. So I think that's why I'm going Camara. But I do think, I mean, it, it, there's no question that Zeke is great. And he's just, like I said, I think we've just co- become accustomed to what he is. Well, yeah, and I think, I think sort ahead, of some of that logic has got me like that's why I've, I've been leaning Michael Thomas, right? Maybe it's because, you know, we sort of know what Zeke is. And, and that's not to say that it's bad, right? Um, but I feel like, you know, Michael Thomas has become that sort of like think outside the box sort of pick at number three, right? We, we've gotten so accustomed to just being locked into running backs in those top three or four spots. Um, and now this this PPR world that we all live in, regardless of you know how I feel about PPR, this is what we do. Let's take advantage of the situation, right? And so why not go after a guy who seems almost a lock to catch well over 100 passes just because of how that Saints offense runs uh, and the fact that he's going to be the most targeted guy. I don't think between Kamara, Thomas, Zeke, uh, I don't think there's a wrong answer. Uh, I just think – I feel like it's become maybe the most thought about position in the draft right now because, like I said, the the first two spots are locked up. Everything else after that, maybe some questions. But three seems to be where a lot of the the real conversation is happening right now. Uh, My only only slight concern with Zeke is the passing game work since they loaded up that offense more. They got rid of the husk of Jason Witten. They drafted CeeDee Lamb. (laughs) And now Mike McCarthy's coming in as the head coach. And in his years in Green Bay, he wasn't like super heavily reliant on targeting his backs. Like Eddie Lacy got a decent amount of work and some of those other guys in there. Now, granted, Zeke is a far better player than any of them. But I just wonder with so many miles to feed, if his passing game work is going to dip down into more of like a 40 to 50 target range as opposed to the like 70 to 90 it was the last couple of years. Uh, so we've all put in our votes for who should be the number three overall pick. Only 60% of eligible Americans voted in 2016. On the field or at the poll, 60% isn't good enough. NFL Votes is a league-wide initiative to support and encourage voter education, registration, and activation of players, clubs, and fans from now up until Election Day. Inspired by ongoing conversations with players, NFL Votes will leverage the NFL platform to empower and improve our communities through exercising the right to vote. Join the NFL family by registering to vote today and make your voice heard this November. Visit NFL.com votes to learn more. Guys like that, that was smooth. I just kind of slid that in. That was hell so yeah. Smooth. That was like the best segue I've ever heard. Dude, I appreciate that. I threw, that threw me. I was like, wait, where are we going? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, let's go. Um, so franchise, um, has there Yo. been has there been clamoring to make Clyde Edward T. Lara 99 overall now? Like that's just like I feel no. like I feel like Twitter is going to be pounding on your door for that any day now. Not yet. But I'm telling you, if he comes out of the gate hot, this is what happens. They come out of the gate hot week one. Everyone sees a big week and they're like, let's put him in a 99 right now. And it's like, <laughs> you got to earn that 99. You, know, you don't just you don't just get that after one week. He's a 69, which is nice, but it's going to be a while till he's a 99. Wait, I mean, he's he's the same as uh, didn't uh, you say Gibson, Gibson was 69 right? earlier. Oh, my bad. My bad. No, I don't know what I, I, I messed up, guys. I messed up. I was going to say, <laughs> fix your game, bro. Fix your game. I or, messed up. Or it was just going to be a bit where every player franchise talked about, yeah, he's a 69 overall. <laughs> he's a 69. Patrick Mahomes, 69 he's, overall. Clyde <laughs> Edwards Hilaire is a 74 overall. Okay. Man, okay. Right, launch, Madden 21 at launch. All right, that's fair. Um, all right, so Harmon, how high is too high to draft CEH at this point? So here's the deal. The only guys like in terms of running backs that I'm absolutely not considering, uh, you know, taking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire before these guys is Chris McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Zeke and Derrick Henry. I think after that, it's 
fair game. Uh, I think you can take him ahead of Dalvin Cook. I think you could take him ahead of Aaron Jones. Now, if you want to go like what franchise said, going wide receiver, uh, I think Michael Thomas certainly is a safer pick than any of the, these running backs that I just talked about. Uh, I think Devontae Adams is my wide receiver one this year. I think you can take him over Clyde edwards Lair. But if you're considering a running back after that top six, I think the rookie out of Kansas City is as good of a bet as anybody because, sure, he might not, you know, have 70% of the backfield touches. There might be some DeAndre Washington sprinkled in, you know, the ghost of Darwin Thompson. He might get out there, too, if he's even a real person. Hard to say. Probably (laughs) just my personal preseason favorite pick from last year. Whatever. Like, there's there's plenty of guys in the passing game, too. But Edward Slayer is a great receiver coming out of college. And – just the reality of it is, is 55% or 60% of the backfield touches in Kansas city is worth a lot more than 70 to 75% of some of these other offenses. And I'd put green Bay in there. I'd put Minnesota in there and all these other players. So I think those are the only running backs. I'm absolutely not taking them over. So you're, you're looking at him around pick seven, eight, nine. All right, Co. you're the one who usually just runs and jumps off a cliff for guys like this. So you're taking, you're taking CEH at like three, right? Three or four. (laughs) I would take him at five. I, I mean, it's funny, you know, um, Harmon talks about, you know, taking him before guys like Dalvin cook, maybe Michael Thomas and, and things like that. I mean, if you're going to do that, you've got to take him at five. Um, yep. You're talking about CMC, Saquon, Zeke, Kamara, and then maybe Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I mean, that's, that's how high I might take him. Look, I think Dalvin is in a perfect system for him. They don't ask him to do too much except run to the outside. Um, and, and that offense is going to be pretty much exactly the same. Gary Kubiak is going to be running the offense there in Minnesota. We know what he's done uh, with fantasy running backs throughout his career. So I, I think Dalvin is certainly in consideration for five. Michael Thomas we've talked about at length. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you're talking about the lead back on the you know the, the, the best offense in the league. Um, I I think five is actually an okay price for him. And just because he's a rookie and quote unquote, we don't know what he's going to do. It's like, who cares? We're talking about the lead back in the best offense. You put that in a vacuum. You're taking that guy at five. I mean, that's, and I think that's an okay price for him. Now, if he falls to seven or eight, even better. But I think to me overall, I think you could take him at five. I mean, here's the thing. I guess I've, I've forgotten myself, right? Because I was, you guys remember, I mean, I was waving the flag for Kareem Hunt left and right, you know, and, <laughs> and it, took, it took injuries for him to get on the field and become the star that he did in his rookie season. And so for, I, don't, I don't know why I've become so nervous about CEH as though there's going to be some major committee because that's just not the Andy Reid way. I mean, when he has a yeah. guy that he likes – he goes with that guy. And so I, I sort of have been hesitant. Um, I is appreciate you guys. I, I mean, I mean because, like, even, what, because even, when Kareem Hunt, even when Kareem Hunt was, was balling and doing big things, like we would randomly see, you know, random guys. Darrell Williams in with two touchdowns. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Uh, Charkandrick West. Charkandrick <laughs> West. Charkandrick oh, West would come in. Remember when, when there was like clear dump off situations like, oh my God, I need yeah. these Kareem Hunt dump off PPR points. I need these so bad. And it was Charkandrick West. <laughs> but that's in there that... in the two minute drill. That's awful. And that's, I think to me, that's what Andy Reid has done. Um, that's the Andy Reid way over the last few years. And I would anticipate some frustration there. If you're going to own CEH, you're, you're, you're definitely going to see rando guys pop in. 
but I think overall still, uh, you know, uh, you, you're taking the upside and CEA certainly presents that. The only reason I feel like we ever saw like Charkandrick West and Spencer Ware and some of these guys when Kareem Hunt was at his peak was that they really didn't trust Kareem Hunt as a pass protector and as a passing game asset, which he's really grown into. That's like all he did in Cleveland last year. But that was the big, like they liked the way Charkandrick West was a blocker, you know, same with Spencer Ware, all that type of usual young running back stuff. But that's not really a concern with this particular player because he was so prolific as a pass catcher in LSU. So that's the only reason that I think this is a different situation and we will probably see like, like I said, I think you're going to see DeAndre Washington. You're going to see some of these other goofballs in the backfield there. But for the most part, I think he's going to get the primary touches and, and we'll be flying there. By the way, Harmon, I need Darwin Thompson to be a real person because I, I took him very late in a best ball draft. So it would be nice <laughs> if he actually has a corporeal form that gets on the field and actually touches the football. He was very real to all of us in August last year. And that- <laughs> oh, yeah. That's Super so real. <laughs> Jeez. Man. Uh, it was like don't you, you can't leave you can't leave a draft in uh, 2019 without Darwin Thompson and Justice Hill. I felt like that was the, <laughs> like these two guys might not even like Justice Hill might not make the Ravens this year. You know, <laughs> like Darwin Thompson again is he a real person? So I can't wait to see like Antonio Gibson just you know not even be oh, in the NFL here. next yeah. year. <laughs> uh, so if you are if you are of the mind to reach for a quarterback early. Uh, I know there's there's really one of two choices. Which of the two choices would you reach for if that if you were uh, uh, akin to doing that? Well, can I suggest a third? Sure, of two? absolutely. Because the one I want to reach for this year is Deshaun Watson. Uh, I think we've had a tough time of quarterbacks repeating. There's a lot of hard things to hit, you know, touchdown regression and offenses and things, you know, game script just changing. But you look at Watson and the last couple of years, he's been a top five quarterback. He's one of the only quarterbacks to hit 300 plus uh, points each of the last two years. Since he came into the league, he's the only quarterback to average 20 plus points a game in that span. And he's done all of this with like relatively mediocre average statistical numbers. He's just such a good, efficient quarterback, but he's never had more than 26 passing touchdowns. He's never finished in the top 10 in passing yards. So what if given the deficiencies in Houston's defense, the weapons they got, if Will Fuller stays healthy, what if Deshaun Watson balls out and throws 35 touchdowns and 4,700 yards this year? Then you add in his rushing, I think he's the clear, he's easily uh, the QB1 in that situation. So he's the guy I can get at a little bit more of a discount instead of Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. I think he's got the talent around him. He's been in the offense long enough, and he is talented enough as a quarterback to be the guy that this year vaults to the QB1 status. So are you basically saying that Will Fuller plus Brandon Cooks is greater than DeAndre Hopkins? And Randall Cobb. And Randall Cobb. There's a lot of evidence statistically that he's actually John Watson. Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb. No, he lost DeAndre Hopkins. They added him. So it's just another body. But anyways, it's not like like Hopkins was the only reason Watson was ever successful. There were stats that he actually had like a higher QBR when he was throwing to players, not DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm saying there's a chance where – more of it's on his shoulders this year. And the the star player we've seen shown up a lot of times in the playoffs and in big games in the season is there the entire year and just lights this stuff on fire. Do any of you guys have a good feel for this? Because I agree with, with what uh, Gelhar's saying. Like, I think Watson's going to be a really good player this year. I mean, he's always a really good player, but I think like losing Hopkins could like force him to be a better real life quarterback, even if he doesn't because he's not just going to rely on this one guy, but do any of you guys have a feel for how this Texans offense outside of Watson is going to shake out? Cause like 
theoretically, on paper, they have a very talented receiver core, but every one of them has a ton of questions. They have a pass catching. They have two pass catching running backs. Like I, I find myself taking the injury discount on Will Fuller. Cause you know, I'm a sucker, but uh, <laughs> do, any of you, do any of you guys like other than that, I have any feel for how this is going to go. Cause I, I was doing projections yesterday. I'm like, just what the hell, like throwing my hands up in the air, looking at this receiver core. The wide receiver core is like it's like the movie Multiplicity, right? It's just like it's like the same guy a whole bunch of times, right? I mean, Will Fuller is Brandon Cooks is Randall Cobb. I mean, so like Kenny Stills, Kenny Stills, don't forget Kenny Stills, right? I mean, it's like the same guy four different times in this offense. So, I mean, ideally, you you get a maybe I don't know. I was I was asking somebody recently, like between Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, do you get a combined twenty five games out of the two of them, right? Like. I feel like that's the question you sort of have to ask yourself when you're when you're making the decision to draft any one of those guys. Yeah, I'm with you, Harmon. I've taken shots at all of these guys because their ADPs are all like ridiculously right. low considering yeah. the quarterback they're attached to. But I think that's baking in the uncertainty of like Will Fuller's hamstrings, Brandon Cook's concussions, which version of Randall Cobb is going to show up uh, and which version of Kenny Stills is going to show up. But uh, I have no feel other than I think Will Fuller's probably got to be the presumptive number one since he's yeah, been there and he's got the tools and we've seen what he can do with Watson. Uh, so I love him at his injury discount as well, but otherwise I'm just kind of taking stabs at these guys and hoping it works out. Cause like cooks and fuller are going in like the 11th ish ninth to 11th ish round. And then Randall Cobb and Kenny stills are always hanging around at the back end of drafts. And I'm more than happy to just chuck one in as my wide receiver five and hope for the best. Yeah. I think you go for Kenny stills thinking that Will Fuller and Brandon cooks are going to be out at some point for any given amount of time. And Kenny stills is, has is pretty reliable and he's been in Texas, in Texas, in Houston for what a year or two now. So he knows, yeah, he knows what's going on there. He has a rapport with Watson. I think he's a good, a good late round dart throw there. I mean, I was going to ask you franchise, like which of those guys is like the highest rated. Cause that was, that was how I was going to make my decision. <laughs> Um, don't tell me that they're all, you know, rated 69, please. Like, I just want to know. <laughs> Off the top of my head, Brandon Cooks is probably the highest rated, but right. let me, let me, let me throw some filters in the spreadsheet and, and <laughs> well, while franchises, uh, kind of messing around with those filters, I'll just say this. I'm not optimistic about the Texans offense. Um, for me, I think Bill O'Brien has regressed each and every year. His offenses are predictable. They're bad. And, and basically the bottom line is. Uh, they have relied on Deshaun Watson and, and Nuke Hopkins to just make plays. You lose a guy who's a potential future uh, Hall of Famer and Nuke Hopkins, and I like Brandon Cooks as a player, but, I mean, come on. He's had four concussions over the last two seasons. Will Fuller has missed 20 games over his last three years. Kiki QT has missed 16 games over his last two years. David Johnson looked like an absolute ghost of a ghost uh, last year. We don't know what we're going to get from him there's too much uncertainty uh in this on this offense and and you mentioned kenny stills i'm just i guess i'm just surprised you know because kenny stills got five starts last year and in those five starts okay so he got playing time he averaged 33 yards receiving in those five starts i think he's an okay player but he's at this point in his career he's he's a jag he's just a guy Um, so yeah, no, I'm not really that optimistic, uh, about the Texans offense again, mostly because I just see Bill O'Brien's future on the wall and it does not look good. And, and I think we've seen this in the NFL a lot where head coaches have started to lose their teams and, and then they just fall off a cliff 
And that's kind of where I feel like the Texans are approaching right now. Um, they're putting a lot of band-aids on some glaring holes and they're hoping it works out. And, and for me, I just do not believe in Bill O'Brien and, and I will fade that team all day long. What's not to believe, James? I mean, he blew a 24-point lead in the playoffs and then got more power within the organization afterwards. Like, I don't, I don't really know how that worked, but I need to get on that. Got to respect that. Got to um, respect that. I put my faith in Deshaun, not B.O.B., so. We've seen um, a lot of co- coaches get propped up by great quarterbacks for a long time, like McCarthy. So, uh, you know, it can happen again in Houston. Oh, man. Um, all right, we'll go around the horn on this one. Is there a player or players, if you have more than one, after the third round that you are trying to draft at all costs? I'll, I'll start with you, Harmon. Uh, anybody that you really make sure you, you're making sure you have to get? Yeah, I'm going to give you two because I'm a cheater. Uh, but also, uh, number one, because the first one's going to be Terry McLaurin, and we kind of already talked Obviously. about it. We kind of already talked about it a little bit earlier. But just let me read off – just indulge me here for a second to read off a little – Reception perception, all-star stats uh, on Terry McLaurin. (laughs) 76% success rate versus man coverage as a rookie. That was at the 89th percentile over the last six years. 79.7% success rate versus press. That's the 93rd percentile. Excellent across the route tree. Deep, short, intermediate, whatever. He crushed it. His success rate versus man coverage is the fourth best for any rookie ever charted since 2014. Third best in success rate versus press. The only two players to beat him during that time frame Odell Beckham and Michael Thomas. We obviously know those guys are great. He has the 34th best score since the the entire series has been, you know, in in, inception since 2014. So I think he is an elite player that is just starting to ascend. And everybody can yap about, you know, Dwayne Haskins as much as they want. But the last three games, Haskins was passable. McLaurin crushed it statistically in those games. And even – if you just give him the rate stats that he had with Haskins last year, and like I said, a 23% target share in what I expect to be a pass-heavy offense, and I think that's like 23% target share for Terry McLaurin with the rest of the chuckleheads that they got in that passing game, I think is pretty conservative. You easily get 80-plus catches, 1,100-plus yards, and then you're just talking, is he going to score six, seven touchdowns, or is the ceiling higher than that? So I've got him ranked aggressively at wide receiver 13, and I feel I feel fine with that. Uh, right up there with like Tyler Lockett and these these type of players. Uh, and then the other guy is Marquise Brown. I hope I'm not stealing anybody else's pick there, but I, I, I can't leave a draft without Marquise Brown because balled out as a rookie, despite the fact that he wasn't healthy. Again, another elite route runner, really strong reception perception profile. And he just happens to be attached to the MVP of last year in an offense that's going to throw the ball more this year. I think he's just going to smash his ADP this year too. Wow. Uh, Gelhart, who you got? Uh, love both of those picks. I've, I've drafted a bunch of Hollywood Brown and tried to get Terry McLaurin, but he's a, a darling of the fantasy community this season. So uh, he's a tough one to get in some drafts. Another guy I love taking kind of in that same range, though, is DJ Chark, because he's lost a little bit of his luster uh, as opposed to the other guys because he's on the Jaguars. But he's uh, <laughs> that's a team that could be bad. The defense doesn't look great. They could be forced to pass a lot. Chark already went for over a thousand yards last year, proved he has a rapport with Minshew. Minshew targeted him a bunch in the red zone as well. And Chark also kind of fits the profile of now that Jay Gruden's there as the offensive coordinator, the same type of uh, wide receiver one Gruden had in the past in AJ Green. Chark's a, you know, six foot four. He ran like a four, three I'm sure James already knows that and is fanning himself over there. <laughs> so you put together, he's got size, he's got speed, he's got talent. He's got a rapport with his quarterback. 
and he could be on a high volume, terrible offense. I think we could see Allen Robinson circa like 2015 or 2014, whenever his big breakout season was numbers in Jacksonville for Chark. Uh, all right. Uh, Co, who's, who's on your list? Um, I love Raheem Mostert, man. And, and I kind of Ooh. sort of been touting him um, for a while now. But it, again, if you're going to be one of those guys that uh, decides to go kind of zero RB off the top and you're looking for that, that one home run running back pick in the mid rounds, I think Raheem, the dream is it, man. For me, he's going somewhere in the middle of the fifth round and uh, led the NFL in yards per carry last year. I had him graded out as a top 15 running back, despite the fact that he just didn't get any starts last year. Um, this is a player that was just phenomenal in a Kyle Shanahan run scheme. Um, last five games of the regular season, we're talking about a guy that averaged 14 total touches, so not a ton, but still turned that into 90 total yards, had seven touchdowns in those five games. We know what he did in the playoffs, had one phenomenal game against Alex Gellar boys. I still uh, see him every- dashing <laughs> every night when I close my eyes. I just see Rahom Green What a train wreck. Running through gaps in that <laughs> 220 rushing yards in that playoff game, four total touchdowns and he also got 31 touches in that game and I think that's important again again with Matt Breida kind of traded away um, I think Mostert can I'm not worried about Tevin Coleman let me just put it to you that way I know Jarek McKinnon's coming back not worried about that dude either I think Raheem Mostert's the real deal Um, and, and and for me he's a player that's chasing that bag he wants that money, man. He he's chasing that bag, and every single time he takes a stretch run to the outside, he's just chasing bags. So give me that guy in the fifth round. Uh, all right, uh, franchise. Who yet? Look, I'm uh, not as deep into these ADPs as you guys might be because I've my fantasy advice has taken a backseat. So I'm coming to this uh, with the perspective of the average guy looking at ADPs for like the first time in a couple months. And I'm looking at Devontae Parker down here at like 61 overall, according go. to Fantasy Pros. There you and go. why this dude was on fire late last year. Like he exploded the second half of the year. He had crazy amount of targets like double digit targets the entire second half of the year uh you got Tua under center in miami now this dude is a wide receiver too like at worst why would why why would you not try to target him in in the sixth round or wherever he's fallen that that's just crazy to me maybe you guys can talk me out of it but <laughs> i think i think Devonte parker is a solid snag that late uh, so I'm going to go with another wide receiver uh, that's coming even later than Devontae Parker. And that's Michael Gallup, who I have nice. been I've been referring to as the Jan Brady of fantasy football this offseason. <laughs> because, like, literally everybody talks about Amari Cooper. Everybody talks about C.D. Lamb. And it's like Michael Gallup's like, hey, guys, I had 1,100 yards last year, right? And, and we talk about – we talked earlier about Zeke and, and how we love Zeke because he's part of that high-powered offense. He's attached there. Uh, with a good quarterback. Well, Michael Gallup is too, uh, in an offense that I think is transitioning more to be Dak centric in terms of throwing the football. Um, you know, I, I look Amari Cooper. I love those big weeks. We all love those big, huge weeks, but you know, you, you also have to prepare for, you know, the follow-up being, you know, one catch for 14 yards and, and just having to try to live with that. I would prefer that steady week to week production that you were getting from Michael Gallup last year. Uh, and I just think, you know, look, you go with the, the rookies having maybe a longer learning curve because they haven't been able to get on the field yet. Gallup doesn't have that. Plus, look, once upon a time, we used to always believe in the third-year breakout of wide receivers. 
Uh, if that holds true, this is year three for Michael Gallup. So it just seems like he is is ready to really explode this season. So uh, I, I've been a big fan there. Um, MG, Matt, Michael Gallup, another MG. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. It, <laughs> he's got to stick that, together, you know. <laughs> and I know he only played 14 games last year, but in the 14 games he played, he actually had a higher percentage uh, of the air yards at 28 percent and the target share at 21 percent than Amari Cooper did over the course of the season. He's the I, I'm with you. He's the only Cowboys receiver I want to draft at cost this year. Yeah, he's yeah. going like 50 picks after Cooper. And also, I think like people worrying about C.D. Lamb. Uh, with Jason Witten and Randall Cobb gone, that's going to be a lot of C.D. Lamb's production. He ran a lot in the slot in college, and that's probably where the Cowboys are going to going to force him into the offense. I mean, that's a great trio, but that's a lot. Yeah. Of, like, I think uh, the 166 targets walked out the door between Randall Cobb and Jason Witten mm-hmm. last year, which is insane. Close. Commanded <laughs> 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 166 targets together, and you think now if those targets are going to go to C.D. Lamb and Blake Jarwin instead, whoo boy, that Cowboys offense is going to be fun. All right. I will uh, say I will say this. I'm a little bit worried about consistency week to week. Um, for all three of those guys, we already oh, know Amari yeah. Cooper is very inconsistent. I think CD Lamb, we don't know what we're gonna get there. Um, but I mean, even Michael Gallup to a degree, you know, I, I do think there are gonna be weeks where he posts really bad fantasy scores. Um, but I think I, in a, he might be even a player that we look at from a season long perspective and say, Oh, he had a pretty good season. But if you're, if you're rolling with him on a week to week basis, it might be painful some weeks. So I, I just, I'm a little bit worried there, but I, I agree with what you guys are saying overall. Um, the guy's a phenomenal player and, and you know, running opposite of Amari Cooper, um, has been benefited Dak Prescott a lot. And I tell you what, if we're talking about reaching for a quarterback, I think Dak Prescott might be a yeah. candidate too. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, this guy's chasing that money um, and he's got an awesome group of players. Finally, Jason Witten is gone. Blake Jarwin maybe steps forward, but overall they just get more athleticism at that position and the pass catching group. Oh my goodness. I mean, and you throw in Zeke and you throw in Zeke. I mean, Dak Prescott might legitimately be um, uh, uh, the QB one um, it, when all is said and done. That's how good his supporting cast is. He was wow. QB two last year. I mean, yeah. it's not it's not far off. Also, his rushing yards, like and rushing touchdowns, he's usually a pretty good bet to to take some in, on uh, into the end zone on his own. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so now we got to do the flip side, right? The guys, third round or later, that you are avoiding at all costs. Harmon, go. All the Rams, man. I mean, other than like the only guy that I've really taken is Tyler <laughs> Higby. I took him in the Scott Fishbowl. I think he's fine, even though I think there's some worry about him. You know, is Gerald Everett going to come in? But honestly, I have no idea what the hell this Rams offense is supposed to look like uh, this year. I think that Robert Woods and especially Cooper Cup are, you know, their roles are going to change a little bit this year. I think Robert Woods is a pretty like safe bet for volume. I think so he's Woods a, is the guy I love. I really love Robert Woods. This well, year. I feel like I, he's maybe the safest thing there. That, that's, I agree with you that I think he's, I think he's the safest bet in this offense, but I just think there's not like no ceiling with Robert Woods. I think that it, there's always somebody, it's not that I dislike Woods. It's that I really just always find myself liking someone else where he's going in drafts, but the backfield, especially like I'm fine taking Daryl Henderson because he's like the, I guess again, the hive mind has just assumed it's going to be the cam Akers show, but you know, these guys are drafted in pretty similar range. And honestly, again, I think that this is going to be a committee backfield. So it's just been mostly the, that's the team that I find myself having the most questions about and generally avoiding. All right. Uh, Alex Gellar. Uh, I'm avoiding all of the mid range tight ends. After we get mm-hmm. past Kelsey Kittle and Andrews, 
Get him out of my life at their ADP. I don't want Beckers. I don't want Darren Waller. I don't want Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram, Gronk, Higby, Jared Cook, all those guys. Not a chance at their ADPs. All of them have massive concerns for like workload or regression or new systems. And there's so many better players I'd rather take a chance on. Like literally all of the wide receivers we mentioned in your last question than any of those guys, especially when you've got good high upside late round targets that you can take a chance on or stream like Blake Jarwin and Mike Yusicki and, you know, even Dallas Goddard on the same team with uh, Ertz. You know, there's just so many different guys I'd rather take later than investing a like fourth to ninth round pick on a tight end who I'm going to hate starting every week. The times I've taken Hunter Henry, like in mock drafts, I just felt kind of queasy looking at the rest of my roster. It just, it has not worked out. Yeah. So I, I feel you on that one. Uh, James Coe, who are you, who are you dodging like the matrix right now? <laughs> I, I talked about this on the pod last a uh, couple weeks ago, but I, I just, and I continue to, to hammer this point home, but I just don't like Aaron Rodgers this year. And, and it kills me to say that because he's one of my all-time favorite players. He's from Cal. I, I love Aaron Rodgers, but in fantasy, forget about it. I mean, and I know what people are thinking too, right? Like he falls to, to that mid to late eighth round. You're thinking, oh my God, I just got a steal. I got Aaron Rodgers, the great Aaron Rodgers in the eighth round. This is great. Listen, bro, at this point, Aaron Rodgers from a fantasy perspective is – is a streamable quarterback at best. That's it. I mean, this is a guy that was outside the top 12 in terms of per game scoring. Um, last year, I think he actually was outside the top 15 in 12 of the 16 games he played. So this was a, a player that hurt you almost each and every week because you felt like you had to roll out Aaron Rodgers. And when you invest in a quarterback, fantasy quarterback in that eighth round, again, you're feeling like I got to roll this guy out there. And it's just not the case. Um, I, to me, I look at the draft board. I see Josh Allen going around later. I see Carson Wentz, Matt Stafford, Cam Newton, Daniel Jones. I could get Baker Mayfield four rounds later than Aaron Rodgers sign me up at that price all day long. And to me, I just think Aaron Rodgers in the eighth round just does not make any sense whatsoever. Um, and he's a player that I will have zero shares of in 2020. I, I will say, I do feel like the muscle memory has sort of faded because for years there, you know, last couple of years, there was that muscle memory of like, Hey, Aaron Rodgers, like we would talk about who could finish as the QB one. And, you know, we would throw out Mahomes right. or, you know, breeze or whatever, but there was like always that muscle memory that was like, Hey, you know, Aaron Rodgers could do it too. I feel like that's faded. Like we've all sort of realized that, um, you know, whether because it's just age or the situation or whatever, like it's just not the same as it was, say, five years ago. Uh, and I think I think fantasy drafters are going to start to kind of clue into that, too. I think that's going to yeah, kind of sort of take hold. Um, all right, franchise, as who, who I know you are you are Madden centric, but who are who are guys that uh, if you're fantasy drafting, you're sort of eh, shying away from right now? I'm definitely shying away from Stefan Diggs this year. Oh, no. It's a good call. He goes to Buffalo. I think they they rank like 27th in pass offense last year. They averaged like 200 pass yards a game. Now, yes, will he be the wide receiver one in Buffalo? Sure. How many touchdowns like do you realistically see him scoring there with John Brown and Cole Beasley still in there? I think they each scored six touchdowns last year. I think John Brown had over a thousand yards, but that was it. I just do not see him like having upside in Buffalo at all. And you're just going to be hitting yourself if you, you know, he might be like a flex play if you need help, but I'm not taking him. I think he's going like wide receiver 21 early sixth round. Maybe I'm avoiding at all costs there. 
Yeah, um, that makes me feel sad because I've drafted Stefan Diggs in a few places. But I, I think everything you said is sort of spot on. I mean, I, I will say that when I've drafted him, it has come with uh, a little bit of worry. Like, it's not a confident selection, but uh, I, I feel you. Uh, I mean, I will say that I had, you know, you guys kind of touched on a lot of like Cam Akers. I just haven't been able to get on board with because um, Sean McVay is giving, giving us zero clarity right now. Uh, Hunter Henry was another name that I, I sort of had on my list that I can't really get on board with just because I said, like, like, like Gelhar said, those mid-round tight ends uh, just really aren't doing anything for me. Um, I mean, another name that people seem to sort of like as, I won't say a dart throw, but with upside that I don't see right now is just J.K. Dobbins. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, you know, look, I think Mark Ingram still has a pretty strong grasp on that job there in, in Baltimore. And there are so many other guys there, right? I mean, Justice Hill, Harmon, he might still be alive. Who knows? Um, hard to say. <laughs> hard, hard to say. Uh, you know, but Gus Edwards is still hanging around there collecting a paycheck. I mean, there's so many other guys there. Plus, you got to keep in mind that Lamar is still going to run. He's still going to score those rushing touchdowns. I think for Dobbins, after this year, we get to 2021. Uh, you know, we can have this conversation again about J.K. Dobbins, but I just haven't been willing to take a shot at him in this backfield, not really feeling confident that there's a there's a path to enough touches to make him actually relevant uh, for me to, to to hold a roster spot for. Um, so that's a, that's that's all I have to say about that. Um, all right. This is this is the part that I'm really here for. Right. As we, we kind of get close to the end of this thing. Hot takes, because I always felt like our hot take podcast was always one of the best, especially because, you know, we never threw it in each other's faces at the end of the year or anything like that at all. <laughs> um, so I need a hot take from each of you guys for the 2020 fantasy season. James, you seem to be the hot takiest of us most, most consistently. So I'll let you start this. <laughs> <laughs> That's a that's a euphemism for saying you're the most wrong. But yes, I, I have been known to go out on, on limbs every now and again. But I, I'll just double down on this Raheem Mostert take, man. I, I I really really liked what I saw on tape last year. I love the Shanahan offense, um, and I think again motivated buy money which is always the gr- one of the great motivators in life i think raheem mostert is going to chase that bag um and for me i'd say I'll, I'll just say this right now i think raheem mostert finished this uh, the season as a top five fantasy running back um that's how much wow. i believe Ooh, that's a hot that is, that is Ooh, let's go <laughs> All right, uh, Alex Gilhorn, what is your hot take? I don't know if mine's quite as hot because it's not as specific, but the Dolphins' offense in general will offer league-winning upside in some way, shape, or form this year, whether it be from the late-round picks of Matt Breda or Jordan Howard or Devontae Parker, you know, uh, Preston Williams, who people forget about because he was on fire to start the season last year. Hell, even Mike Kosicki or Tua. But I think this Dolphins' offense is coming at a massive discount and it'll be hard to be worse than they were last year. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick led this team in rushing last year, for God's sake. Oh. So if, if Jordan Howard can come in and get a bunch of goal line work or Matt Breida looks like, you know, and he stays healthy and isn't questionable every other week, I think there is going to be some people that have Dolphins on their teams. You know, when you look at the end of the year and it's like player X was on, you know, Y percentage of championship rosters, there's going to be a Dolphin or two in that mix. All right. Uh, all right, Harmon, what's your, your hot take? Yeah, mine's similar 
to Alex, just, you know, not as specific as James, but it's about an entire offense. And I can't, every time I look at the Chargers offense, I think this entire outfit is underrated. And it wouldn't be a stronghold reunion if we didn't talk a little Tyrod hype. Yeah. Because, like, because here, here's, here's the deal, man. If he is, I think if he's the quarterback that he was in Buffalo from like an efficiency perspective, just, you know, not the guy that we saw early in Cleveland. I think this whole offense is in for a pretty good year. And like everyone expects him to just, you know, just just slam the hell out of the run, you know, not throw the ball. I think they can easily throw the ball 530, 540 times. And I project Keenan Allen to have a 24% share of those targets. That's more than enough for him to beat his ADP. Mike Williams, I think is really underrated. I mean, that guy is dirt cheap and i think he's got bankable touchdown regression he offers you those big weeks and again you're 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 paying nothing for him and austin eckler a james co danger zone alum this guy <laughs> is a stud like remember when we all used to say oh christian mccaffrey he can't be a a, a a full you know time running back he can't run between the tackles well talk about a wrong ass take now, <laughs> now i think austin eckler can be that guy and i think he can catch a bunch of passes if they are going to really truly lean on the run great then i think austin eckler is going to be the guy because i think he can do everything so i think he's underrated where he's going in drafts i think keenan allen is underrated where he's going in drafts tyrod taylor if he starts 12 games he's going to be a great late round quarterback and mike williams i think is too cheap i'm with you though the only guy that i really don't like is hunter henry because he's in that <laughs> so sorry to, to throw a little shade there but i think this entire outfit is underrated and especially Eckler. I think he could easily be a top five back this year. Well, I mean, have you seen the pictures? He's BSOHL. So uh, I mean, I've worked out with the guy. I've, 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 wow, man. Like just like you've worked out with Austin Eckler. You've worked out with Skip Bayless. I mean, anybody else you want to throw yeah, well, in here? I, mean, while I, worked, I worked out adjacent to Skip Bayless, but that's a, <laughs> that's a story for another pod. Eckler actually took me through a light version of his workout. There's a video on, on my Twitter page. If you just <laughs> Uh, um, and I, and, I, and I, it was tough. It was really hard. I, I will say, though, about Tyrod, too, because like I have sort of been hesitant about the Charger offense this year. But you know, we keep seeing all these comps, right, these side-by-side comps projection-wise of Josh Allen and Tyrod Taylor. And they are you know, nearly identical in so many different aspects. And it does make me wonder why uh, folks have pretty much just written off Tyrod while Josh Allen, you know, was getting getting praised as a potential sleeper quarterback this year. Like it doesn't necessarily make a ton of, maybe because, you know, Tyrod's not a, a physically hulking guy with a gigantic arm. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But so much about their production mirrors each other that you you would think that Tyrod would be getting more love and, and it just hasn't happened. Um, don't know. Uh, franchise. Hit me with a hot take, please. My hot take is a return to glory uh, to one of the best running backs of the last, you know, three or four seasons here. Todd Gurley is going to be a top five fantasy running back this year. Sometimes all you need is a little change of scenery, you know? So uh, Todd Gurley's coming in here. I think he's going as RB 17 (laughs) off draft boards. Uh, The Falcons were fifth in overall offense last year. They had a terrible uh, run (laughs) offense, but the Rams, the Rams offense was just in disarray last year. He just needed to get out of there and, and get a new change of scenery. I think if he's the bell cow in Atlanta, we're going to see him bounce back in a big way this year. And I, I, I think he's huge value where he's being drafted. No respect for Todd Gurley. Uh, I think change of scenery and an offense that will actually throw him the football on occasion because the Rams yeah, didn't yes. do that last year. Yeah. Um, which is kind of amazing. All right. Um, my hot take. For a while, my, my hot take most of this offseason has been that John New Smith was going to win some people some fantasy championships, and I still do believe that. But uh, I'm going to give you a, a special hot take just for this show. 
Ronald Jones is going to be an RB1 at the end of the season. Oh, God. He has been – look, I, and I saw it recently as, as we were potting here, uh, Pat Thorman, uh, who does great work over at the Establish the Run, put out a tweet that says the Bucks should rename their backfield the Rorschachs because it really is true. Like, you want to start a fantasy argument, just bring up the Buccaneers' backfield. But I've recently started to come around on Rojo, not just because he's a Trojan, but fight on. Um, but you know, I, I, I think with the, the off season being what it is, him getting more of those opportunities, uh, him, you know, getting in better shape, uh, he's, he is also hashtag BSOHL. Uh, and then yesterday, I think what sealed it for me was seeing a tweet that, you know, Tom Brady has been working with him on, you know, his, his pass catching skills and his route running and that sort of thing. Uh, so like, yeah, call me a sucker for like cryptic tweets right now, but like, I'm like, let's go giddy up. Like I'm, I'm, I'm about to, I'm about to, to buy in on Ronald Jones here. So, uh, my hot take is that by the end of the year, he will be an RB one. So if you're a 10 team league, he's a top 10 guy, 12 team league, he's a top 12 guy, whatever you think. Uh, we're going to be talking about Ronald Jones in that light by the end of the year. There is cryptic tweets and, and coach speak. That's all we got. This That's all we got. It's <laughs> limited. Uh, no preseason games. Like Tom Brady saying Ronald Jones, you know, calves are looking hot these days. That's, gospel. That's, gospel. That's all we got. That's all we got. So, uh, all right. I, I couldn't get us all back together to do a podcast uh, one more time without, and I'm doing this, James, hopefully with your blessing, uh, a round of daily daps. Like, we, we just have to. Yeah. It, was, it was a signature. It was a hallmark of what we did those years together. Uh, so, James Cole, because this was your brainchild, that this was originally your baby, I would like you to please start this round of daily daps, if you would. <laughs> uh, I, it would be my pleasure. Um, I, I will give daily daps to a couple of actors there on uh, Umbrella Academy, Aiden Gallagher, who plays Five, and then Robert Sheehan, who plays Klaus. Uh, I just feel like I love the show. It's a great show. Uh, but those two guys carry the show and uh, they sparkle and they shine, man. And, and daily daps to both Aiden Gallagher and Robert Sheehan. Cool. Uh, Gelhar, your daily dap, please. Uh, I've got two. The first one goes out to Palm Springs. It was a Hulu original with good. Andy Samberg and uh, I got, I forget her name, but she was the mother from how I met your mother uh, stuck in a groundhog type day situation, but every day they're at a wedding. Uh, I think it's a charming little inversion on it. You get some great JK Simmons uh, both the leads are terrific. <laughs> and also like when we're living these quarantine lives where it's also kind of Groundhog Day-esque, you know, you empathize with it. When Andy Samberg's cracking his first beer at 10 a.m., like, hey, pal. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's the first one. I would say check it out. And then the second one is uh, my new like favorite summer snack thing that I've done is putting grapes in the freezer. Have any of you guys ever done this? Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you, yeah. this, this is the best. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. they, last, they last forever. <laughs> I can see you idiots are going to make Fran- Franchise is, is ready to just so ready. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. Let it out, man. <laughs> well, not, only, not only are they forever, <laughs> they're good. They're good, healthy, like snack or dessert. You get done with dinner, grab a handful of frozen grapes. It's perfect. It's, it's all about the texture, the frozen right. texture on the grape. Recommend grid. it to everybody. They're they're delicious. Um, Harmon, I know you're still working on yours, so I'll wait to I'll wait to go back to you. So, um, franchise, what is your daily dab? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna stick to my routine and go with some mu- a music recommendation. My morning jacket just just put out an album, uh, the Waterfall Part Two. It is indeed my most most favorite album of the year so far. Throw that that record on. Clean your house. Clean your apartment. It's got a little bit of like heavy rock, progressive rock, some folk, some Americana. 
Jim James is a genius. I love My Morning Jacket, so check out that album. Yeah, I know, Franchise, you and I, like, you know, we will swap Spotify links on albums occasionally. I feel like, you know, there's been some good ones that came out this year. Uh, the, the new Tame Impala album came out. Uh, yep. The new Crying Ben album just came out, which is fantastic. Uh, Chicano Batman, who I love, just put out a great album not that long ago. Uh, it's been a good, you know, if there has been a bright side, it has been that, you know, we've gotten some good music. Uh, I haven't heard the Taylor Swift album, but I hear that's pretty good, too. So. <laughs> Meh. <laughs> it's fine it's fine swifties direct all hate mail toward at matt franchise no <laughs> uh harman what is your your daily dap please well uh i think mine is you know something about myself no i'm just kidding uh but <laughs> so my fiance and i now took a we took a cross-country road trip to go back and uh see some family and all that and i gotta say the podcast i'm i'm a little late to this party but the podcast that got us through this trip was my dad wrote a porno sorry if this phenomenal. is a fam- sorry if this is a family-friendly show but we're gonna talk about it it's uh, it is i mean you will you will die laughing there were several times i thought i was gonna you know run off the road because i was laughing so hard at this podcast and it's not necessarily the um quote intimacy that's always the most funny part <laughs> uh or the fact that the one of the hosts dad uh wrote this erotic novel it's just how terrible the, <laughs> the writing how, is how and poorly some, written it is <laughs> how poorly written it is how poorly conceived some of these things are and just like the way that, i mean it's it's it is literally perfect um, if you're just sitting around your house right now with nothing to do, which everybody is, which we all instead are. of instead of cleaning up uh, to Jim James or whatever, who I, who I love, uh, throw on that, throw that on the speakers, <laughs> and you will you will legitimately pee yourself. It is that fun. That it is it is absolutely hilarious. I uh, I 100 agree. I and mean, actually, I have not watched it, but they did a a uh, kind of a live show that's on HBO. So uh, yeah, I haven't watched it that. You can go find that somewhere. Um, I got a couple. One for for those of you in the Los Angeles area, this more applies. But the uh, Common Space Brewery. Uh, I know this, that we live in an age of a lot of you know microbreweries and that sort of thing, but uh, they do a lot of really good stuff. Uh, I've I've been kind of sampling some of their beers. Plus, they deliver, which is pretty phenomenal. Like <laughs> crucial, uh, right? It is crucial that they will deliver, especially if you're in the LA area uh, within 24 hours. That is uh, that's been a pretty big plus. Uh, my daily dap, though, for those of you who aren't in LA and can't get this beer, uh, the show zero 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 on Amazon Prime which I know there have been a lot of shows about the drug trade and, and what have you. This one kind of takes a different look at it uh, in terms of like kind of following a shipment and both from, from the, the seller to the distributor and just kind of a, a sort of a different look. It's very intense, uh, but it's only eight episodes, so it's fairly short. You can blow through it in an evening. Uh, and so that, oh, well, I'm going to be selfish because I'm hosting the show too. One quick more, uh, one more quick one. Homecoming on uh, on Amazon Prime too. It's just kind of a weird, trippy, sci-fi sort of thing. Uh, it's two seasons. I think each season's like seven or eight episodes. They're all half an hour. You could probably watch both seasons in an afternoon. Um, it was based originally on a podcast. Uh, it has been turned to a TV show. It's pretty fantastic. So uh, I recommend that. So, um, guys, this was fun. I really yeah. had fun doing that. Um, I know for those of you out there listening, I, I will I'll give you some background on this. This is a thing, an idea that between the five of us, we have been kicking around for a while and the timing just never quite worked out. Uh, so then I realized timing. that I had a, I, I realized I had a, a hole in the schedule. You had a window. Uh, I had a window. And so uh, once I realized I had that window, I immediately fired off a save the date text uh, to all of these guys. And uh, they immediately jumped in and said they were bound to do it. Look, I'll say this. I know for, for me and I know for, I'm sure for you guys too, uh, 
we've been overwhelmed by the amount of, of support and, and love that we get from you guys on Twitter. Uh, the number of people who hit us up and talk about how they, they missed this podcast and they enjoyed all of us together uh, in what has been, you know, I think a frustrating time for a lot of us. Uh, you know, I don't speak for all of you, but I know for me, it has been kind of heartwarming uh, to see the outpouring of support. So, uh, yeah, we felt that it was kind of fun to get back and do this uh, just for us, but for you guys, too, as well. Uh, I don't know. Anybody, anybody agree, any, disagree, anything to add on that? You know, yeah, I disagree. No. Go ahead, James. I, I was going to say, it does say a lot, you know, that it, it's been two years uh, since we've done a podcast together. And and the, the comments on, you know, Twitter, Facebook and stuff and Instagram, they, they still do trickle in. And I think that says a lot um, to what we had going on. And um, we had one of the best shows out there. Um and I wish they gave us the opportunity to kind of let it marinate a little bit more, but um, it certainly warms the heart, I think, to um, to still get those messages again years after the fact, which is cool. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, everybody else has gone. You, everybody's gone on to do awesome stuff. Like Marcus talked about it at the top. You know, we all talked about what's going on, and I think you know, in in like a in a weird way, it was it was great that we split up so that we could all, you know, go and do our own separate things and, and, you know, continue to rise up the ranks of whatever the hell we're trying to do. But the reality is I think we'll never, I felt this way when it was going on. And I think the, the, the responses that we continue to get about it is that we will never have something as cool as this again. You know, I work with some cool people. I do some fun shows, whatever. Nothing is ever quite like the stronghold and i think that is you know people continuing to talk about it is 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 special to me and i think it reflects the specialness that we had together yeah i was gonna say this is the only save the date i got this year that stuck so uh right in the face though if it tried to uh stop me from hanging out with you guys on a pod again so you know appreciate all the people messaging us but it's fun to just get back on this after like two years and feel like we haven't missed a beat and we're sitting in that, uh, that cold studio at the NFL Network. <laughs> <laughs> miss that studio, man. <laughs> miss oh, any man. studio. Yeah, dude. Uh, it's been so much fun. Uh, hey, and we'll, you know, I don't know. We'll see you on the, we'll see you guys on the, the happy hour Zooms if we ever get another one going again uh, at some point. <laughs> if not, we'll, all, we'll be back in the, the Slack chat, except James, because he's too good for us. Uh, right. we'll, we'll, be, we'll be back in the Slack chat in like five minutes, uh, you know, <laughs> doing what we do best. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, hey, we appreciate that. I appreciate you guys coming and sitting in with me. I've had a lot of fun. At some point, maybe we can find another window in the future to do this again because uh, it was just it was enjoyable. And uh, for those of you out there, that is it. We are done. I appreciate you hanging out with us as always. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, the only reason some people get lost in thought is because it's unfamiliar territory. Thanks for listening to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast presented by Caesars Rewards. Take care of yourself. Wear a mask. And we'll see you on Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.